Welcome to Sustainably Influence, the podcast, hosted by me, Bianca Foley, and me, Charlotte Williams. In this podcast, we explore our efforts to making changes to our lifestyles as influencers to live a more eco-conscious lifestyle and hope that we can encourage you to make one small change. This isn't just a podcast for influencers. We want this to be a community of people who are trying to do their bit, where we can learn from one another and share our tips. So join in the conversation over on our Instagram page at Sustainably Influenced. Welcome back. Today we're joined by clean beauty pioneer and founder of Audacity Skincare, Valerie Grandjury. Valerie was born and raised in Paris and now lives in Los Angeles. The brand journey began when she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2005 and she realised that if she wanted to heal, she needed to change her lifestyle. Thank you for joining us. Tell us more about your journey into skincare. I'm so happy to be here with you in London and um, thank you for having me on this thank podcast. You for thank you so us. much. Um, so, I mean, nothing really predestined me to have a skincare company, um, but I think something happens is like the, the biggest challenge in your life or actually show up as teachers and, um, and show you a different route and what you need to do. I used to work in what is called in Los Angeles, the film business. And, uh, and after I, I had breast cancer, I, I realized that um, in order to heal, I would have to change absolutely everything about yeah. my life. And, um, and I literally did. I um, actually um, started by selling the big party house where we had like way too many parties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moved to an incredible, beautiful canyon between Los Angeles and Malibu in complete nature. Oh, I just wow. needed to, I realized I needed to reconnect yeah. with what's essential, with nature, with myself, yeah. with my thoughts. I uh, quit my job went back to school to become a health and wellness coach, um, started yoga and meditation, uh, adopted a raw vegan diet. And basically I embarked in this incredible, I'm still very, very uh, emotional about it, very detoxification journey of removing all the toxins from my life. And um, unfortunately, when it came to skincare, we're talking 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, the clean beauty movement didn't exist, yeah. right? It was not a thing. And um, when you looked for a natural product, it was at best just natural. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, as any French woman, I love skincare. <laughs> it's a bit like yeah. food for me. It's, it has to be. What do you mean? I love skincare. You know, I love that. It's it's a pleasure. It's luxurious. It's it talks to your senses. It has a lot of research behind. It's scientific. It gives yeah. you the results. And when you apply it on your skin, you really make it feels a difference. And um and so I I couldn't really find anything that that would marry this efficacy and research from that we have in French skincare with my uh, newly adopted uh, green California lifestyle, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, so I started actually blending products for myself and private clients. And um, it just grew bigger through word of mouth. It touched a bunch of celebrities in LA. And LA is a big town, but at the same time, the minute you have a few celebrities that talk about you, yeah. at one point I thought, okay, this has this is bigger than me. Oh, wow. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to start a skincare company. And I launched the line 10 years ago, literally pioneering this clean beauty movement. There was 
nothing like clean beauty movement at that time. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's really funny because when I, I remember my the first time I presented the product to the press in 2009, um, Joe Ladis would say, ah, oh, natural, it doesn't work. And that was what natural was associated with. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it was really this new conversation is trying to open a, like a little green path, you know, into skincare mm-hmm. and saying, you really don't have to sacrifice the performance for the purity. You just need to create it and manufacture it and formulate it in a complete different way that the big labs are doing. You need yeah. to yeah. look at every single ingredient, get the best ingredient possible, and with the science, really recognize what is this ingredient doing. Yeah. And so that's how Audacité was born. And um, I wanted to give it a name that kind of related to my to my journey of reinventing, you know, my life. And um, Audacity is a French play on the word audacity. Mm-hmm. And it starts with an O. <laughs> an O because it's organic and symbol of the planet too. Oh, kind of the infinity. I wanted it to be an O to woman. And just like beauty should be good for you, basically. And then A at the end because I'm French. So <laughs> a little French touch. Of course. <laughs> lovely. Taking it back to... Your ingredients yes. and the products that you're using. How do you guys? Like, how do you source everything? How do you source your ingredients? Yeah, it's a great question, and and I always say like really in in clean beauty, the miracle starts in nature. Yeah. So my responsibility is to find growers, pickers, harvested that really have mastered the the quality necessary to harvest an ingredient to create it into a beauty ingredient. And um, and for us, what does it mean? It's like, let's say that, you know, I'm looking for acai oil, right? Yeah. I think everybody talk, knows about acai right now. It's the highest antioxidant value in the world. Mm-hmm. If I go to a trade show, there, there'll be like hundreds of people having acai oil. Most of them will be as clear as water. Yeah. Which tells you that this acai oil has been filtered and removes everything from it. One of the main reasons is because from now on, it will never smell anything, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is once you've done that, you've removed all everything, all the active property from it. It's still an oil, but it doesn't have any active property. If you look at my acai oil, we press it, the seeds with the pulp, so it yields this. I mean, I just love it so much. It's like this beauty elixir that's green, that's so charged with polyphenols. It has vitamin C in it. It has all the necessary actives to really do something on your skin. So my my job, and I have someone whose full-time job, is to forecast all the ingredients that we're going to need for one year. So mm-hmm. I can tell all my suppliers... Listen, you know, I'm going to buy like 5,000 liters in January, 10,000 in February, this, this and that. So they can prepare a year ahead of time, pick, press, expel, whatever, just really create the ingredients on demand. And, um, and then the whole thing is that we have them shipped directly to our lab. We have our own lab because I don't want it to go through. Most companies use an outside lab. Yeah. And I, I want to know... I always say, like, I know the story from the seeds to the bottle. I want to know where the, how this ingredient was grown and like, who harvested it and everything. And so if my supplier, because it's, it's a really big point, if my supplier for 
any reason tells me, Valerie, you know, starting July, I'm not going to have enough for you. Then I have a whole year mm -hmm. to find a supplier that can give me the same quality ingredients. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then, then my supplier. Yeah. So it's a big. So that you know, when I say like, it's it's a complete different way to to create clean beauty. It really is. It's really yeah. about. It's almost like like food. I want to say closer to food is really like. We all know like you can pick up an apple off a tree, and eat it, and just like really feel like oh, it's nutrients working for you, or you can buy it in the store two months later and probably has half of its activity level. Oh, wow. In doing that and in getting your product supplied in that way, does it minimize waste as well? And I guess... Uh, completely. Yeah. So the, the one thing is that, you know, most companies will hire an outside lab and they will have a minimum order quantity. They'll yeah. have to manufacture at least 10,000 moisturizer. Me, I create on demand. So I, we never have more than three months of products ready just in case we have like a huge order that we need to ship out and then uh, again we just like forecast every week we forecast what we are manufacturing so we always have three months ready to ship but never more so we never have waste we never have to do like crazy bundles or you know package for christmas where yeah. we have like hundreds of thousands of products we can't sell we, yeah. we never have that that's fantastic no more brands need to think like that and yeah it's it's a good way to i guess operate with your business model as well yeah i guess not everything has to be readily available if we have to wait no. a little bit for and listen it's happened to me to be uh, out of stock of an ingredient because i you know for example i have a, a our pimple serum which is our bestseller worldwide uses um an oil like that's born organically in israel and it's black cumin seed oil and um the particularity of black cumin seed oil, it has a high concentration of linoleic acid, which is um, most people that have acne and breakout have skin that is deficient in linoleic acid. So when you bring it to the skin, you, you bring back the balance. And um, this oil is 65% linoleic acid. And I only want to work with that oil because at this high concentration is what makes the difference. But I can tell that very few people that that look this far into each ingredient, into yeah. their profile. And it's happened at one point. We couldn't get any for about a month. And I said, oh, wow. I said, you know, I said, well, we'll be out of stock for months because I don't want to use another one that I'm not 100% yeah. sure of. And the, re the, the reality is, one, why do I have that freedom to do that? Is because uh, my company doesn't have investors. And um, um, you want to yourself. I want my freedom, <laughs> yes. and I always say my clients are my, inv my investors. Really, okay. that's who they are, yeah. and I, I want to make sure they're happy. Okay, I love that. Uh, and it means you'll you'll never kind of jeopardize your ingredients or the the product no, because of demand never, never. because you want to give. Yeah, no, the, no, the client. Exactly no, and that's really need. and that's really why we have the we we try to forecast a year ahead of time so that we can actually make sure that something happens but yeah. you know it's nature so you can have a harvest that's that happens that's not as well i mean we all know we're dealing with global warming so yeah. harvests are sometimes you know if, if right now it's really warm right but if all of a sudden it starts freezing then a lot of the fruits will be available because the flowers are going to freeze and they won't be fruitful so yeah you, you never know what can happen and anything can happen yeah <laughs> i love that 
Um, on the kind of environmental side. Yes. So we're just so out of context here. Um, we've just sat for a lovely lunch with the brand Bianca and I, and um, you gave an amazing demo on some of the products and talked through the brand. But something you mentioned that we were really interested in is that by the end of the year, you'll be carbon neutral. Mm -hmm. But then also you're planting 20,000 trees this year. Yes. Because of that. Yes. So talk through so, the uh, reasoning behind yeah. it. Yeah. So, so uh, sustainability, I know, is a, is a big thing right now, but for us, it's it's one of the DNA of Audacity since the beginning. I think that if you create clean beauty, you're not putting it in plastic. You're putting it in glass because you you see a little bit further than just the product. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was important to me is minimize the packaging. So if the product is big enough that doesn't need an outer box and I can put all the legal mention on it that doesn't have an outer box, if it needs a box, it's made from recycled paper. It's always printed with biodegradable ink. As we said, we have our own lab, so we don't create waste. We use very little water in our product. Yeah. We also, everything is handmade. So no wow. machine using energy. Oh, wow. Only energy is love. And <laughs> <laughs> made in LA. In LA, in oh, our wow. lab. And so at the end of the year, I sat down with the team and, 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 and I wanted to go further into our sustainability. I really wanted to say, okay, what are, what are we going to do? And the one thing that I came back is we had all been so affected by the fires last last yeah. year. And California had been burning, you know, for a month. Um, I think Australia was was burning. We saw all the koala. It was so sad. And um, and I said, well, 2020, we're going to plant 20,000 trees. Oh, wow. And are you doing that in LA or are you we're, doing that no, globally? No, we're doing with partners in different parts of the world. Okay, yeah. And um, there's a lot of trees in LA. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no, no. And uh, and it's, it's actually, we have one person who's responsible to find where it will bring the best impact. And um, obviously nice. Brazil is one of them. Uh, we're also talking to a partner in Madagascar, which somehow is like there's this little bubble that needs, you know, more oxygen there. And um, and yeah, and by the end of the year, we'll just publish exactly the map where all the trees have been have been planted. And so far, I think we're uh, we're almost four thousand trees. That's oh, fantastic. wow. Yeah. He has just begun. <laughs> just begun. <laughs> so every really month incredible. we try to put an update yeah. on uh, what's happening. Oh, wow. And, uh, and we might end up actually planting more than that. Yeah. I hope we'll you, see. I, do, I really do hope that you manage <laughs> to exceed that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I guess on the topic of sustainability, we've discussed this on a previous episode, but most brands we find that are like established brands been going on for 20, 50 years, they've never thought about being ethical or being sustainable. And we see how difficult it is for them to, I guess, incorporate that into their existing supply chain, um, supply chain and yes. make changes. Yes. Your brand has that at its core. How do you see that, I guess, your brand is different to other brands in that sense? And how can they start to incorporate yeah. these ideas into their mm -hmm. yeah. brands so i mean we're a young brand we're only 10 years you know and we we're born out of the desire already to change the way beauty is done so for us it was kind of i'm going to say natural it was part of our genetic you know building but i think what's happening right now is really interesting because i for example i was uh, speaking at um, a big expo in LA called Luke's Pack, and it's really a lot of packaging. And I see packaging supplier now offering more options that are 
you know, made of recycled plastic or made of glass. And, and so there is, there is a real uh, awareness now that we need to do something, especially about plastic pollution. And, um, and obviously, you know, I always joke that if L'Oreal had, you know, prorated its revenue compared to my company, they would probably replant the entire Amazon for us. If I can plant 20,000, they should plant 20 billion probably uh but they're they're also doing like amazing things and i and i know that they're all working on projects that are more sustainable what's happening now in in the world of corporation is that i think there is a realization that sustainability is not just an expense for them it's actually really a drive for innovation and a drive for growth because uh, today, um, especially Gen Z, everybody knows that you're not going to sell anything to Gen Z unless there is a meaning, a purpose, or some sustainability aspect to it. Yeah. And I always say this is the generation that's going to save this planet. Yeah. And if the demand is here, corporations are going to answer the demand. Yes, it's a it's a drive from the market. Yeah. If the customer or the consumer is asking for it, it's nice to finally see brands like I guess taking a stand and answering the questions that we're asking for sure for sure and it's it's also I think a realization that's 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 really we need to go into emergency mode you know we we can't anymore just like you know procrastinate about it and be worried about it and and the reality is and I always say that is that we don't need just a handful of people doing sustainability perfectly we need millions of us doing mm-hmm. it imperfectly, yes, right? Exactly. If we all do one thing, this is exactly where the podcast came from. Oh, really? Yeah, that's <laughs> the DNA of our podcast. Yes. Exactly. It's the people. idea that one person, even if one person makes one small change, it can make a difference. Yeah, so of course. If every person out there made one small change, can you imagine? Yep. The changes are like yes. a, yeah, like. Can yeah. you imagine the results if exactly. everybody made a change? Completely. I, I was just in New York and they ban every single plastic bag from New York. Oh, wow. But can you imagine just that? Yeah. How what, what the impact it yeah. is. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. When did we get the plastic bag ban? <sighs> we have, yeah, but it, does, it hasn't really done anything because the stats show that we have, we still have plastic bags over here, but it's a bag for life. So it's a thicker plastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're meant to reuse yes. it. But that they, the production of that has gone up. So it's kind of like outweighs right. the amount of. There's a lot of bags. a lot of stores have started doing recycling plastic yes. bags yeah. Yeah. and paper bags and paper bags. So a lot of I think these bigger corporations are starting to realise well we shouldn't be using any of yeah, these plastics it's not good if enough. we can if we can get a recycled plastic or a paper bag then they're incorporating that into their distribution. For sure. So all of these changes make such such a big, big difference. Impact. Of course, of course. Yeah. Sorry, it's your turn. Well, what we normally get our guests to do, and I know that we've put you on the spot with this one, but we get our guests to set us a sort of sustainability challenge every uh-huh. week. So we do a catch-up episode every sort of four to five episodes, mm-hmm. and we discuss all of the challenges that we've had in that time and whether we've passed or failed anything. A lot um, of failures. <laughs> we've a few failures. We've done, we did all right with the last two, I think, over yeah. the last one. We've been great. But... Um, is there anything you would like to set us in terms well, of a challenge? It's a really easy one for me because we're just launching a new product that really is a challenge. Okay. And um, I would say adopt a shampoo bar. Okay. Oh, yeah. And um, we don't think of plastic pollution in the world of hair care, but in the US alone, it's 572 million plastic shampoo bottles that end up in landfill every year. 
in uh, in Europe, I think it's over a billion. So if we all adopted a shampoo bar, can you imagine how the planet would be different? That's so that's my challenge. Okay, great. Adopt a shampoo bar. Yes, okay, we done. Can, we can we can definitely do that. So Thank you very much for joining us today and also for having us at your event. It's lovely. If we wanted to find you on social media, where would we find you? Um, at Audacité, and that's spelled O-D-A-C-I-T-E. Perfect. And Merci. Thank you. <laughs> and you can find us uh, at Sustainably Influence. Thank you very much. See you next time. Oh, do wow. peace out. I know, I changed it this time. Oh, peace out. <laughs>